There's a lot more caution around this morning as manufacturing numbers from the United States and from China suggest the recovery is slowing thanks to the Delta variant, supply chain issues, and maybe cautious consumer demand. Bond yields in the States have hit a five-month low, and with Sydney likely to be in lockdown beyond the end of August as the focus turns to increasing vaccines rather than reducing cases, it's going to be a very brave RBA that would push ahead with cutting on QE today. It's Tuesday, the 3rd of August, 2021. It's the morning call from now. Good morning. Well, a bit ho-hum today, really. Shares are up, but not my much. And Well, I just want to say they're up. Actually, most of them are down. In fact, the Nasdaq is the best of it, and it's only up 0.1%. Uh, consumer discretionary stocks are doing well. For example, Tesla up 3.5%, but that really is not the norm. Uh, shares are doing better in Europe, though. The Eurostox 50 is up 0.7%, the same for the FTSE 100. At home, the afterpay share price on the AXS yesterday was up almost 19% at close, uh, because, of course, the, the story that Jack Dorsey, Mr. Twitter, who's now the CEO, of Square is offering $39 billion to buy the Aussie fintech company. That helped the ASX 200 up 1.3% yesterday, but if it's going to follow the US this morning, that's going to be a different story. And bond yields are down. Four basis points off 10-year treasuries now down to 1.18%. Actually, they got down to 1.15% at one stage, which is the lowest yield since February, when, of course, we were in the midst of inflation worries. Uh, a small fall in the US dollar, down 0.1% on the DXY. It's fallen 0.3% against the Japanese yen, but climbed 0.3% against the Canadian dollar. The Aussie dollar doing better than most, but even then it's up 0.2%. Not much movement in the euro. The pound is down a little. We've got further falls in oil as well. WTI is down 3.66%. Brent is down 3.3%. So definitely more caution this morning. Let's look at why with Rodrigo Catrill from NAB in Sydney. So quite a bit of this is the reaction to the uh, July ISM manufacturing numbers, isn't it? Which was expected to rise a little, but actually fell. Yes, morning, Phil. That's quite right. So the, the market was looking for a small uptick from 60.6 in June to 61. And in the end, we got 59.5. So it was a small sort of, uh, you know, ease, if you like, in the number. And it's still, you know, by historical levels, it's still a very elevated number. Um, but yet the, mm. the market sort of has been caught up with this whole narrative about peak growth and, and whether the U.S. in particular has already reached that peak growth and now is kind of downwards and onwards, if you like, from, from here. Uh, and um, yeah. uh, and and the, as you say, that that was the big reaction, which uh, was l- mostly evident in the move lower in those U.S. Treasury yields as well. So, is it an overreaction? Because a big chunk of this we know will be distribution and supply issues. We did see new orders fall a little, so I guess that that is a, a bit of a concern. But a lot of it will just be uh, the, you know the supply chain, won't it? Yeah. So when you look at sort of the negatives, in particular in terms of those type of indices, the the, the export orders decline, which again, you know, from fifty. 56.2, 55.7 is not, it's not like kind of a huge decline and it's still a, a comfortable expansionary mode. Um, but uh, that, that is one narrative. And, and there's also been positives. You know, you look at the employment uh, index, which mm. uh, last month was actually on contractionary mode of 49.9. Now it's gone up to 52.9. Um, and there's also evidence, although from a very, very high levels, that these supply issues are starting to ease. So, in particular, um, prices remain, uh, you know, pre-elevated, um, but at 85.7, but they were 92.1 the last time. So it's a small sort of indication that maybe there's a bit of an easing pressures from, from those supply constraints as well. So 
Mm. Uh, it's still a very solid number, uh, but certainly it's, it's what's caught up the attention of markets is this idea that maybe the best is behind us and, and uh, there will be a slowdown from there. Interesting that the market PMI manufacturing number, uh, perhaps less uh, less reliable, but that went the other way. It went from 62.1 to 63.4, so it upgraded slightly. But I, I guess what compounded the concern was the data we got from China as well. I mean, we saw the PMIs at, we, at the weekend, the Keijin PMIs uh, yesterday. Well, they also undershot expectations. I think 51 was expected. It came in at 50.3, which is uh, quite a bit down and also down from 51.3. So, I mean, it's it's still expansionary, but hey, only just. Only just, yes. And it's sort of, there's been this cumulative evidence coming from China that is certainly slowing down a little bit more. We've also seen the reaction by officials to, to now, instead of talking about further tightening, they're talking about some easing. Uh, and certainly the expectations have now increased that more needs to be done from, from the official side in order to support the economy. And of course, uh, we've also had those concerns around uh, the Delta variant. Uh, there's more evidence now that um, China is also dealing with this, a mini outbreak, if you like, mm. uh, in terms of COVID infections. Um, but this is the Delta variant. And if, if it's not kept under control, as we know well here in, in, in New South Wales, then it has the potential to, to, to get out of hand. And therefore, there's a need for um, tightening measure, measures, which will have some impact in terms of economic yeah, activity as yeah, well. As we're seeing, we'll come to that in just a second. First of all, let's just finish off those PMIs, because, uh, or the ISMs, I should say. If we look at the manufacturing PMIs for the euro area, which we got uh, yesterday as well, they were down a little, despite what we were saying about, you know, that they're winning the recovery race. But, but generally, they are looking more solid than the US, aren't they? So if we look at German manufacturing PMIs, for example, 65.9 versus that 59.5 for the uh, the ISM number for, for the US. So if it was a race right now, Europe is winning. Yes. I mean, when you look at the um, um, the, the headline manufacturing number for Europe, um, that, that was a small uptick to 62.8 from 62.6 in, in terms of the preliminary number. And as you say, a big component of that was the, the, the improvement that we got from, from Germany as well. Um, there's, that, there's that argument that maybe it's just, it's been an issue of sort of timing that the US picked earlier because of those cash incentives that the economy got. Um, and, and that Europe is, is also technically also picking that the PMI for July was slightly lower than the previous month, um, but still at very, very elevated levels. Um, so, so it's still kind of consistent with that idea, but uh, certainly at the moment, uh, this narrative that Europe is performing better. And we've got to remember as well is that Europe has this momentum coming from the European Recovery Fund, which is only really now getting underway and in terms of the spending and impact on the economy we think that it's only going to be seen over the next six to 12 months so so that momentum still plays to the idea that europe is better placed not only because of this uh, fiscal spending that is coming but also because of the labor market is also being better supported through those policies of furlough and so on that were implemented uh, across europe right so and the infrastructure bill while we're talking about government stimulus the infrastructure bill uh it could be in the senate very soon uh, 2702 pages long <laughs> so uh, ready to be debated that could take some time for amendments couldn't it but 550 billion um in new funding or redirected funding so a lot of this is money that perhaps would have been sitting around that might find its itself in the in the greater economy so that's going to do some good but i mean i guess the the main significance is once it's done then joe biden's team can get to work on that meteor 
uh, plan, uh, that three and a half uh, trillion plan, which is going to include childcare, healthcare, education reforms, the environment, um, should that ever get off the ground? So if we can move off one, we can move on to the other. Yes, there's a few sort of niggling important details about that. I suppose the first thing to note is that yes, um, some of it was already kind of money that was allocated and it's been reallocated, if you like. Um, um, but overall, it is, um, you know, Ray was running the, the numbers yesterday. We're talking about 2.75% of GDP that is going to be spread over eight years. So something about a contribution to annual G- GDP of 0.3%. So it, it is it is a, a small but significant sort of uh, contribution, if you like. And also what is important is about infrastructure spending. It's not cash handouts to, to the consumer, but actually, you know, they're going to be building roads and so on. So, so that's the, the good news. Now, in terms of the details, the first thing to note is that uh, they're, you know, both senators from Republicans and Democrats expect that there will be some debate, but uh, it, it should pass in the Senate uh, in a matter of days. So that's that's the positive news. Now, where it gets tricky is that Pelosi has said that she's not going to pass this the bill in, in you know in the House until there's evidence that the big infrastructure, you know, the Biden plan is also approved by the Senate. So there's a stumbling there that. Whilst it will be this this infrastructure spending bill will be passed in the Senate or is expected to pass sometime this week, it won't pass um, by Pelosi in the House um, because she wants to make sure that the other reconciliation process um, of the big spending by Biden is also approved. Now there we know that it's not only the issue that you know you need to get some Republicans on board. Or you need to get that 50% of the Senate senators, uh, the, 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 the Democrats, on board. And, and we know that Manchin and uh, Kirsten Sinema from, from Arizona, is, is they, they express reservations about not only the, the full number, the $3.5 trillion, but also details about how it's going to be funded, in particularly in terms of those tax um, increases. So it's, it's the, the good news, of course, is that this infrastructure bill looks to that it's going to get passed by the Senate. But there's still huge, huge uh, battles, an internal battle within Democrats to to make sure that the 3.5 big plan is passed. Um, and and the, and the one extreme we have mentioned and Kristen that are very opposed to to these taxes and so on. And on the other extreme we have Alexandra uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, who has said that um, she she will stand firm to make sure the infrastructure plan is delivered and, and is delivered in sort of its full magnitude. So a lot of negotiations will need to happen. And, and of course, Pelosi has said that the infrastructure one won't pass unless you, you get the other one as well. So Yeah. And now look, um, if, this is two, still, if this is 2,700 pages, then pro rata, the other one <laughs> is going to have to be about 20,000 pages. That's going to take some time. Yeah, and just imagine how long that's going to take. So uh, <laughs> yeah, it's still a lot of water to go through. Yeah. Now, look, oil is down to Day, just very briefly, I mean, I think that is a concern about global demand, isn't it? But we've also got that attack on the tanker in the Gulf, which was on its way from Tanzania to the UAE, uh, and uh, the, the death of uh, two two crew members. Allegations that Iran is behind that. Uh, I mean, that story is going to run, isn't it, for the next few days? We'll see how that pans out. Let's talk about the RBA very quickly because it's it's fully expected they're going to reverse their decision to taper bond purchases. It was written in ink. Uh, now they're busy crossing it out. 
Uh, I mean, could they still do it, though? I mean, you know, I mean, arguably, you know, they've said that they're taking the lead from elsewhere. It's not all just about Australia. Uh, is there any chance that they are going to keep with their original decision? Well, I mean, I, th- I think there are some in the market that believe that th- there is a chance there. We we firmly think that that, that, that won't be the case. Uh, to us, it's not just a matter of, of the technicalities or what it means in terms of the support that it provides to, to, the, to the economy, but also the signaling. It, it will be kind of an odd look, if you like, for, for the RBA to be in some shape or form tightening when we know that the economy is struggling, when we know that lockdowns are still, we don't know how long we're going to be in lockdown here in New South Wales or in Sydney. And now this, you know, South Queensland as well in lockdown and so on. So it's, it's very difficult to imagine that they, they, what, they will continue with the tapering. So it seems reasonable. I guess the statement on monetary policy on Friday, I mean, that's going to paint a very different outlook, isn't it, given the, uh, the, the lockdowns and those escalating COVID numbers. It's clear in New South Wales now, isn't it, that the approach has shifted. It's gone from uh, not getting the case numbers down now. The focus is on the rather lengthy process of vaccination. So that means, you know, we're, we could be in this really for the, for, the, for the long haul, and that obviously has economic implications. I just wanted to emphasize one thing, that um, uh, as much as we get those new forecasts on Friday, um, it's also important to remember that uh, in the post statement, uh, the Governor Lowe statement, you usually get a pretty good hint about what, what you, we should expect of the numbers. So that will be important because our sense is that all these lockdowns means that the objectives in terms of both growth and inflation have been pushed out a little bit. So um, that favors our view that, uh, you know, that at the moment it's more likely than not that the cash rate won't be going anywhere until 2024. And, uh, you know, events over the recent month uh, place to the view that there's no data or activity pointing to the idea that this is going to happen earlier. Um, so so the, the, the details that uh, the governor's statement will provide will also be important in that regard. And look, you know, it almost, is it worth, <laughs> worth talking about the housing finance and building approvals? We know they're not going to be good, are they? We've got the, uh, apart from the lockdown, we've got the unwinding of the, the, the home builder program as well, which is going to have an impact on both of those. Yes. And that, that's kind of the big one because to some extent, how big of an unwinding is going to be. So in terms of housing finance, um, you know, the, the consensus was is for 1.5. We think there will be around 2%, so they're not too bad. But the building approvals is expected to show a big decline uh, of, of negative 4.5%, but we think it could be bigger to, to negative 5%. All right. Also this morning, Tokyo's CPI numbers for July. No big inflation concerns expected there. I tell you, when, when Japan has high inflation, we know we've got something to worry about. Uh, and later today, mm-hmm. the euro area gets PPI uh, figures for June. The US releases its factory and durable goods orders for June, important numbers, and Canada publishes its manufacturing PMI for July as well. But we'll leave it there for now. Good to talk, Rodrigo. Thanks, Phil. And don't forget, by the way, if you are working from home like so many are and you've got a Google smart speaker, you can just say, hey, Google, play NAB Morning Call and you'll get us. Uh, or you can use your favorite podcast app, too, because and just because you're not driving in, that doesn't mean you can't join us every morning. We're still here. Back tomorrow morning. I'm Phil Dobby. See you then.